Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. All right, we are back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner here on a Monday. Again, hopefully going to stick with this routine uh, for the next couple, or really, I would say all the way up through the combine here at the end of the month. Unfortunately, Eddie Garrison out a little bit under the weather today, but we've gone to the bullpen. We've gotten uh, one of the greatest uh, fill-ins you could ever have. She's Maddie Bowen. She's with us here as we are also into Super Bowl week here mads thank you so much for joining us the listeners always appreciate your insight i am happy to be here it's been a really long time i can't even remember the last time we did this yeah it has been a while um boy yeah i would have to think it's probably been multiple years now um but we appreciate you uh do you have an early thought super bowl related chiefs 49ers as we get ready for Sunday, do you have a uh, betting song on what song Usher will lead off with or maybe conclude with? Mm. Yeah, by Usher. Confessions, part two. I think he'll wrap up with yeah, um, would be my guess, and and probably start with Confessions. Really? Is yeah. Confessions too slow for the Super Bowl or no? No, no, no. you got to play it for okay. sure. But it is a good lead-in as opposed to a wrap-up. Yeah. Okay, interesting. All right, well, uh, consider that information, folks, and make of that what you will here for prop bets. Um, we'll give some Super Bowl 58 picks to conclude the um, the pod here. Okay. The line right now, last I saw, I believe, uh, one-point favorite for the 49ers oh. in this one. So it'll be a third straight game. Patrick Mahomes will be an underdog. Uh, today's pod will focus on our annual series we do with Chris Ballard and the evaluations of the GM and the head coach of the Colts annually. So this is nothing new and nothing different that we do. Uh, but yeah, Ballard will be the one that we focus on today. We'll probably do Shane Steichen a little bit more on next week's podcast, but that is kind of where uh, I thought we'd focus today um, before we get moving any further. did want to mention um, that we now have seen the head coaching cycle wrap up in the NFL, eight openings filled. I, I do find it interesting five of the eight with defensive-minded head coaches. Uh, that is not really the trend we've seen in the NFL in recent years. Um, and if you look at the offensive hires, they all really make sense. You know, Bryce Young and Will Levis trying to be resurrected in those respective spots. So, Dave Canales to Carolina and Brian Callahan to Tennessee and then Jim Harbaugh um, with Justin Herbert with the Chargers. So, you know, that one kind of checks. Are you a Harbaugh fan, Maddie? Um, which one? Oh, well, that's a great question. Jim. Uh, the, I, the, he's the Michigan one. Okay. Um, he's a little – he seems a little odd to me. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're intense. They're handsome. Okay. Okay. They're, All right. Well. Oh, uh, I think that. The does that sister, matter? Uh, I'm just giving my insight uh, and sharing what I know. The sister is married to Tom Crean, which is yeah. an IU tie. Um, Do you remember when we were at IU when Jim Harbaugh became a manager for one of the games for IU? Do you remember this? No. Mm-mm. Jim Harbaugh literally putting out stools during timeouts with the San Francisco 49ers gear on 
That makes me like him. <laughs> it does. <laughs> no, I, I, I chagrin. You know, it's like they just and I kind of like that he didn't he used to coach in the NFL and then he went back. To yes, college. he was with the Forty ers correct. Uh-huh. I feel like you know they just they do seem to really care a lot, and you got to respect that, I guess. So. I guess I admire that, but I don't know much about them. Yeah, coaching through and through, certainly with that family, uh, the wife, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Harbaugh, I guess, Joni Harbaugh, uh, Joni Crean, um, she seems very intense as well. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. that certainly checks out all of it. Um, but then again, five of the eight, you know, defensive coaches. I, I do think if you're a Colts fan, you're a little bummed out to see the Houston staff intact. I think you would have liked to seen Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, leave. You want C.J. Stroud and the Texans to have – um, yeah, dysfunction is too harsh, but you want them to have turnover. You want them to have, uh, you know, inconsistency with their coaching staff. And CJ Stroud is not going to have that heading into year two. Um, so I do think that is something if you were, you may be going to nitpick the coaching cycle and okay, did any, did the Colts benefit at all from anything? I don't think you love that. Um, and it looks like Gus Bradley will still be retained here. Uh, and I know there's kind of a domino effect of, you know, how things played out, you know, would we see moves elsewhere? We should note as we record this, again, Monday, February 5th, does sound like the Colts have made a move with their defensive line opening. That will be Chris Partridge, or uh, Charlie Partridge. Um, don't know why I said Chris. Partridge family? I don't know. I just think it's Partridge in a pear tree. Well, yeah, that as well. Um, Charlie Partridge coming over from the Pittsburgh Panthers, uh, ironically enough. So his first ever NFL gig here at the age of 50. Uh, he comes from the college ranks. We've seen Shane Steichen kind of go down this path with Brian Mason, the special teams coordinator. Uh, Tom Manning, I guess, had some NFL history, but you know, he's dipped into the college ranks to fill out his staff. And, you know, I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi in that program, but I certainly know this. When Notre Dame has played them in recent years, the only worry I've ever had in those games is their defensive line. And so that makes sense that Charlie Partridge would be a name that Shane Steichen you know, coveted. Uh, if you look at their sack numbers, they are very impressive. Um, I think in 2019 they were third in sacks, 2020 first in sacks, 2021 second, and then 2022 first. Uh, that is extremely impressive to me. Um, if you go back to his Wisconsin days, he did coach J.J. Watt, so certainly that is something that you would like to see on the resume as well. And Again, I just feel like with Pittsburgh in general, under Pat Narduzzi, it's been a defensive line that it is, and a defense in general, of load the box, try to commit you know, as much chaos and as much blitzing as possible, and we aren't afraid to leave our corners on islands. You know, does that rub off at all on Gus Bradley? You know, it, it, there's probably an element when you've been coaching the NFL as long as Gus Bradley has and coaching defense, it's believe it when you see it, and we'll see how open-minded you are. And, again, if some of this being demanded upon by Shane Steichen and by, I guess, Chris Bauer a little bit more, but um, let's just stick with Steichen here for the head coach hierarchy. Uh, that'll be something, I think, to keep an eye on. So, How many coaches are there per team? Oh, that's a great question. I would say probably... I'd say close to 20. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, every position probably has a, a, a position coach, and then, you know, you've got assistant coaches at several positions. Your quarterbacks has an assistant. Linebacker has an assistant. Um, defensive backs. There's a second a defensive line. Chris Watt, Notre Dame product, is the assistant O-line coach. 
Um, you've got a couple of quality control guys on each side of the ball, offense and defense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say if you looked at the entire staff, strength staff, probably three or four uh, within your strength program as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big staff, certainly a big staff. Uh, so, yeah, Charlie Partridge, new D-line coach. That seems like the move there. No overlap with Shane Steichen. That's always something I'm curious about when you see these sorts of moves. You know, does Shane have any history with these guys? Doesn't look like uh, he does have anything. I would guess the next time we hear from Shane Steichen and or Chris Boward will be the combine. Um, so if I dial up the calendar right now, February 5th is today. What are we looking at? Three weeks from tomorrow? Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 27th is where I'm looking at here um, to lead off for the combine. We're hoping to be down there for f- – I'm shooting for four days this year. I know in years past we've done three. It sounds like the coaches and GMs will be talking a lot on that Tuesday, the 27th down there. Um, so we'll certainly keep you updated on that end on, you know, if we get them on our morning show and obviously the big group pressers that you, that you see at the combine uh, on an annual – basis. Um, Mads, anything else on your mind, NFL-related, football-related, before we get into our uh, annual evaluation of Chris Ballard? No, I mean, did you mention who filled all eight openings, or do people care about that? Um, I, I would think our audience probably knows, but sure, why not? Let's just run, run down them. Um, so yes, we mentioned Jim Harbaugh with the Chargers. We mentioned Brian Callahan with the Titans. We mentioned Dave Canales with the Panthers. You want to talk about attractive dude. Google him. What's his name? Dave Canales, uh, heading to the uh, Panthers there. Yeah. Um, boy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hide your wives if you were living in the Carolina area. I would say that would be one of the things I would do. Um, <laughs> defensively, Antonio Pierce, take the interim tag off him with the Raiders. Mike McDonald with the Seahawks. Dan Quinn, Commanders. Gerard Mayo, Patriots. And who's our fifth? Who's our last defensive coach? Wow, that's impressive that you were just able to rattle that off. Um, who was bad at football this past year? Did I say the commanders and Dan Quinn? I think so. I, I'm sure, like you said, your audience knows. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, Patriots and Mayo, we already said that one, right? Mm-hmm. God, this is just horrible podcasting here. I know, everyone's going to be screaming at their car. Uh, Seattle with McDonald. We already said that, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, Atlanta, Raheem Morris. Yeah, again, I, I think Raheem Morris, another good-looking individual from people out there that have told me. Um, Raheem Morris with the Falcons. I think a lot of people thought he was the runner-up here in Indy uh, for the job. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Raheem Morris going to the Falcons there. Um, that's, that was the rumor for Belichick. So how about that, Mads? No Bill Belichick coaching the NFL for the wow. first time since you were nine years old. Wow. What's he going to do? What do you think he'd be good at? I think he just needs to hang out for a bit, like rest. Does he have grandkids? <laughs> <laughs> like getting coach a peewee football team. Like he needs to chill for a minute. Bill Belichick walking, you know watch, watching do? Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and Peppa Pig no, no, no. with his grandkids. You know what he should do? He should do a collab with Kristen. What's her name? Juchek? Uh, Cavallari? No, no, no. Juice check. Oh, uh, who makes the jackets? Yeah, and they should do short sleeved hoodies. <laughs> <laughs> like she should put out a line of Belichick like sponsored. I mean, you heard it here first. Yeah, <laughs> look at that. Yeah, Kevin's corner right here. Bill Belichick. Uh, we need a consulting fee if you're gonna <laughs> go down that path there. So, 
I'm sure Bill will be all over that. I, I feel like there has been some whispers. Um, and Mads, you actually enjoyed the Manning cast when I sometimes dial that up for Monday Night Football mm-hmm. when Peyton and Eli have the guest on. Yeah. I think there's been some rumor about him and Nick Saban potentially combining oh for one of gosh. those. Like, But like, don't you need to have personality for that? Oh, but see, I think people would nerd out over the football talk. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, as long as they're willing to give a little more than they typically give. like Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into our Chris Boward annual series. And again, this is kind of a mix of, I mean, certainly you're evaluating the past year, but it's also a little bit of a seven-year evaluation on a GM because, you know, I think GM's a little different than the head coach. It's not just like these one-year cycles. You know, some of the process is a little bit longer than a year. Um, so I want to make sure that we, you know, keep that in mind in providing context here. So, uh, Mads, go ahead and, and toss yeah. a uh, couple of those at me and looking at the wins and looking at the losses slash to be determined when it comes to Chris Boward. And year seven as GM. Okay, so when it comes to wins, it seems like he took a swing, you know? What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he took the biggest swing uh, that this franchise has seen. And really, I mean, even a bigger swing, I would argue, than Andrew Luck. Even a bigger swing than Peyton Manning. I mean, you know, when you draft a quarterback four overall, it's not a given that that guy is the answer. It's not a given that... Um, it's the obvious nature that both Peyton and, and Andrew were in you know, 1998 and 2012, 2012 respectively. So, again, the sample size is small. Uh, we are far, far away from crowning Anthony Richardson to steal a Chris Boward phrase, but you have taken a swing, and I have long been an advocate that that's what franchises have to do. If you want to create a five- to seven-year window of success, you better have the quarterback right. If you don't, it makes your building a whole, whole lot more difficult to try and sustain success. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Anthony Richardson in place, uh, again, there are still plenty of you know little potholes on the roads, if I can use an Indianapolis analogy right now. Um, but at least you've got the car on the right road. And we'll see how that obviously evolves. And now you got to support and you got to develop him. Uh, but they, they took a swing. And I have had this in the loss category of, pretty much each and every January for the last three or four years, it's no longer in that. It's a win. And just getting the bat off your shoulders to continue the baseball analogy is that. Mm-hmm. Were you a softball player at all back in the day? Yeah, I played really super young, like at OIO, Glandon Youth Organization. and Did you swing the bat or were you or more of a – No, it wasn't OIO. It was Fall Creek Little League. Um, were you a swinger or did you watch pitches more? I was Would actually, you strike out looking or swinging? Well, I was very quick um, and really bad at, at um, almost everything else. And so I just learned how to bunt. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that was a curveball. I didn't see coming. Man, what, what, what seven-year-olds are bunting? What nine-year-olds are bunting out here? Is that a thing? Yeah, I was bunting. All right, here goes Maddie Bowen moving <laughs> runners on. All right, playing small ball here. Old NL managers would love that. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, well, why'd you ask that? Well, because I, I was making the baseball analogy. Like oh. I, I, I've often said with Chris Boward, I feel like he's kept the bat on his shoulders. And I don't know. Maybe this is the Brad Bowen manager of Kevin, you know, yelling at me from the third baseline. But it's you know, it's get the bat off your shoulders. You, you, you can only do. You're hoping for a ball if you don't swing. 
mm-hmm. or you're hoping to get hit by a pitch. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you swing, now you are kind of in control. You can make contact. You can hit the ball. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Thank you. Chris Fangman, senior year quote in the yearbook. Just one of the best quotes out there. Brand that to yourself there. All right, what's our other win? Well, I think of the major premium positions, Ballard has probably struggled to find definitive answers, but there's one that we think he's found, or that you think he's found, and at a pretty reasonable price. Let's talk through that. Yeah, I would say left tackle, and Bernard Ryman would qualify as that. um, You know, when you think about the premium positions, and I know I've said this to Eddie here in the past couple of pods since the end of the season, but I thought, you know, to me, watching Houston win 10 games this season, make the playoffs, win a playoff game, I've left thinking, like, why? Like, it's Houston. I've watched that team in recent years. They stink. Like, how did they get this good this quick? And the easy answer is C.J. Stroud. I mean, he's a stud. We all, I mean, hell, Mads, you watched it the Saturday night game to end the Colts season. Stroud was, he was terrific. But I'm also reminded again, at the premium positions, Houston has checked a lot of those boxes. And that can make up for overall talent deficiencies across a roster 1 to 53. Um, Again, not all rosters are made with the you know, one to 22 on an even playing field. And the fact that you have found an answer at one of your premium spots. And in my opinion, you have, I am ready to say Bernard Ryman is an answer at left tackle. I don't think that's premature. Um, I, I, I love how he's wired. Um, I like his work ethic a lot. And again, the fact that it comes at a reasonable price as, as Maddie mentioned, is just a bonus. I mean, he's making what barely over a million mm-hmm. the next couple of seasons. I mean, that's a steal when you look at some of this left tackle money, that gets thrown out there. And when it's a position that keeps Anthony Richardson upright, it's an added bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's huge. And again, answers at premium positions. I have not had in the wins category under Chris Ballard very often. And so for him to take a step in the right direction, there are still positions left to be answered under the premium category. It's huge. Um, And Ryman's on a, again, a reasonable deal for the next couple of years. I mean, yes, you probably need to extend him, or it would be well served to extend him here coming up. But um, still, I view uh, the answer at left tackle as a definite win. Mm-hmm. And um, moving into losses, or at least to be determined on the defensive side of the ball, I think other than him, we'd put in the loss column. Well, Ry- Ryman's on offense. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ryman's he's going to go left tackle. We do have defensive tackles on defense. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There are other tackles, and you tackle a lot on defense. Yeah, I always wonder when I'm going to start to be able to watch an NFL game and like see whether or not anyone on whether it's D line or O line is doing a good job. Totally hear you out. So, do you watch the ball? Yeah, I definitely watch the ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I yeah, I watch the ball. I watch the quarterback. Yeah. I watch yeah the person who catches the ball. Yeah, if you said you watch the O line and D line, it'd be the most meathead comment of your life. Yeah, do, do people do that? I mean, uh, there are some diehard football enthusiasts that that do, but yeah, I mean, that's not very fun. Yeah, but you know, when you're watching, you're like, oh, you missed that tackle or whatever. It's that's or wow, great tackle. Sure. You know, that's very hard for me to see. Anyway, sorry, not on offense, on defense. 
Not enough return on investment. Yeah, and again, I, I feel like this has been a heavily invested side of the football for Chris Boward. Again, it was his undertaking where, I mean, to be frank, he laughed at Ryan Grigson's defense when he got here in 2017. He wanted to overhaul it schematically, and he wanted to overhaul it personnel-wise. I mean, once Clayton Gathers left, when did Gathers leave? I, hell, I feel like Gathers was barely even here once Bauer took over. None of those guys were even around. And you very, very quickly moved on from so many of those defenders pre-Ballard. Um, I mean, look at the first-round picks. Uh, Malik Hooker, Buckner. I mean, I call Buckner a first-round pick. You traded the 13th overall pick for him. Quiddy Pay. Uh, the second rounders, you know, again, Quincy Wilson and Shaq Leonard and Kamoko Turi and Taekwon Lewis and Ben Banigou and Rock Yassine and Dayo Adengbo and hell, I'm probably uh, Juju, Juju Brents, if you want to look at it uh, this past year. And then and then the third rounders, I mean, whether it was going back to Terrell Basham or Quincy or um, uh, who else, Julian Blackman, Bobby Okereke, I mean, you have drafted a lot a lot nick cross i mean you have spent a lot of major draft capital and for you to be sitting here and you're 28th in points allowed each of the last two seasons mm. uh, how can you argue you've gotten the proper return on investment out of that side of the ball particularly with all those premium picks assigned to it and again you guys have heard me talk about how manageable slash easy that i think the quarterback schedule was for you this season so when you invest, you want returns on What do you it. think is happening? Are they not like working together as a team well enough or what? Well, I, that's the big question is, you know, he clearly thinks that he has made the right investments and it's just some tweaks need to be made schematically. Nothing major. I mean, he doesn't act like Gus Bradley needs to be fired from a defensive coordinator standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue you just haven't found enough high-end talent enough oh. game changing talent so you think you just picked the wrong guys well yeah and i don't act like these guys are all total bust but i think a lot of them would fall into categories of they're just they're just guys and not enough of again they need some gals the re- well <laughs> sure kidding. yeah i mean yeah i don't know if we want to go down that <laughs> that path but it, it's just a little bit more pop frankly on that side of the ball and again guys have had moments of of flash certainly but you know, the consistency of Pro Bowl-level talent with some of this investment is not there. Now, some of them have been flat-out bust. I mean, there's several names I've mentioned that would qual- qualify as that. But, I mean, hell, how many picks did I just name? I mean, over a dozen? Mm-hmm. I mean, over a dozen defenders drafted first, second, third round. You would hope through seven years of building, you'd be a top 10 to 12 scoring defense on a rather annual basis. And, mm-hmm. you know, here in year six and year seven, you're obviously – you know, right now, trending in the wrong direction with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm what re- do we got next? I'm reading this next title, and I, uh, I again, just am going to have to be honest. I've heard this term so many times, but I don't know what it means. What is the secondary? Well, let me guess first. Okay. Is it the, like, backup squad? No. I mean, I could certainly see where you would... Is yeah, it the, you would think like the primary group and the secondary group. Yeah. All right, we got primary starting at 7.30, and we got the secondaries <laughs> at 6 o'clock, JV and varsity tonight. Um, no. Do you have another guess? Uh, no. What is it? It's the defensive backfield. The defensive backfield yeah. instead of the, the, the line up front. Yeah, so you got your front seven, your yeah. defensive line, your typically four people, linebackers, three people, and then your secondary would be your four defensive backs. Okay, got it. Okay, yeah. so so the the loss slash to be determined on Ballard is 
youth in the secondary. Yeah, and I would probably label this one more of loss because, again, the reason, and this is where the plan for probably falls more into this exact bullet point is more on the seven-year evaluation period and not the one-year evaluation period. Got it. Why did he opt for youth in the secondary this year? Why did Stephon Gilmore want to go join the Cowboys and try to chase a Super Bowl and not want to be in Indianapolis any longer? Mm-hmm. Because the Colts are in a rebuild. And sure, the Colts overachieved this year, but Ballard signed up for a youth movement himself because he didn't think, and the Colts didn't think internally, they'd be any good this season. And so when you are content with that, when you sit there in your building and you say, yeah, we're not going to trade picks for veteran guys. Yeah, we're not going to try and go out there and sign the Stephon Gilmores of the world when we're not going to go after really any corner in free agency. There's a reason for that. Well, the reason is because your blueprint and your organization was in a failing mode in 2022. And mm-hmm. that's why you were content with this sort of approach. So mm-hmm. because of that, that's why I got to put it in the loss category because ultimately it cost you this season. But and, they expected it too. Right. But again, the expectation doesn't excuse it. Sure. Like the only reason why we call it an expectation is because you went four and whatever they were, four, 12 and one. Yeah, I don't, we all try to forget the 2022 season um, because you had a failure really of, of all systems mm-hmm. is why this mo this path was even explored. So um, you don't want, to, you know, in, in exiting year six of a GM era, you don't want to be saying, hey, youth movement time for a position group. No, no, no. Exiting year six of a GM, you want to say, hey, we want to be one of the last four teams standing. Like, we, we, we I mean, you know, you want to be playing hell. You want to be playing this Sunday in Vegas. So um, give me some other Usher songs. I only know Confessions and yeah. Um, what else am I missing here? When's the last time you've listened to Usher? It's been a minute. I feel like, honestly, it comes on yours more than it comes on my Spotify. Oh, You Got It Bad. You got it, you got it bad when you're on the phone. Okay, I got it. Up, then you call right back. I got it. Um, you trying to get a backup role Sunday? Love in this club. Got I want to make love in this club. Now, who's joining him? You know, because that's... That, my boo is a good one. That's been the recent trend. You know, people join yeah. these artists during halftime. Do we... Will Taylor Swift perform? No, 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 no. No? No. Why not? Jet lag from Tokyo? She's, that's honestly below her for this year. Whoa! (laughs) Come on, the NFL halftime show is below her? Tell that to her husband. Uh, Or boyfriend. She's got a different, she's got a different role at that game. Um... But that would be epic if she just jumped up for one song or something. But does no. Usher collaborate with people? Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I can't think of maybe Ludacris would be good. Oh, I think he's okay. a, Falcons he's, fan, right? Ludacris. Ludacris is um is who's in yeah with him. You know that. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The yeah. middle of the song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that'd be awesome. Okay, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um. You were really pumped for who was the previous year? You were really pumped for one of these recent halftimers. The one that comes to mind that I really loved was Lady Gaga. No, you were standing up and yelling at the TV one year. Oh, uh, last year. You, you and your sister-in-law, sister-in-law, yeah. really getting into it. Yeah, I think it was like a compilation of a lot of R and B artists. Yeah, 
was Eminem. They were like 90s. Mm-hmm. Eminem, I think, was in that Yeah, one. that was a good one. Yeah. Okay, what do we got? We got uh, we only have a few Twitter questions, but you said you got one more on the losses to be determined? Yeah, um, and this is really just about Ballard's resume, so let me read it for you. So it reads as this through his seven seasons. His record is 54, 60, and 1. Playoff appearances, 2. Playoff wins, 1. Division titles, 0. So what do we yeah, think? Yeah, it just and again, this is the annual one that is just it's still in the losses category. And I guess part of it is to be determined, but as of now, I mean that's a that's just a resume that it just it frankly stinks. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't you don't take this job for seven years and you know, be in a division that really has been the laughing stock of the conference for much of those seven years and for you to have zero division titles is just such, such a bummer and you know, it's not like you've had the wild card experiences where, hey, you know, you slide in there and you make some noise, you know, via the wild card path either. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I'm not reminding our audience of anything earth shattering or anything breaking news wise. But mm-hmm. and a lot of this, you know, it, you know I don't want to you know, cop out and go with the Jim Irsay quote of January 2017 of saying, you know, this is the greatest GM hire of the 21st century. You know, certainly um, this couldn't be more opposite of that when you think of trying to back up those words. But uh, just in general, um, it, it has been an operation that has not gone according to plan. And certainly there's context in there with the Andrew Luck retirement, mm-hmm. um, definitely, that you, you, you can't ignore. Um, but, you know, at this point, we're, what, it'll be five years in August? Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Five years since Luck? Hung it up. Um, you know, if you look at the operations of a lot of these teams, I mean, hell. Has what, it been five years? Five years in August, right? 2019, does that sound right? August 2019, you had Allison Carl over at your house. We were here. We were on this uh-huh. couch that we're on now. Right. Were we in this house at that? Yeah. Have, we, have yeah. we been in this house for that long? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be six years uh, in, uh, come Halloween for us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew Luck, great 2018 season. Your, your one playoff win, ironically enough, of the, of the Ballard era occurred you beat Houston then you went to Kansas City and lost in the divisional round and then you made the playoffs in the COVID year lost at Buffalo great game super competitive shout out to Philip Rivers and company uh that's it yeah and certainly we're on the brink of it last year I mean just such such a close game uh in that playoff game oh but my gosh heartbreakers yeah uh, of that Houston game speaking of that I did think uh, there's a Shane Sykin clip I did want to mention I know some people have asked me about Shane Sykin was on Chris Long's podcast our audience I encourage you to check that out um it was about a 20 minute Shane Sykin appearance Sykin had an answer in there about his thoughts on analytics in the NFL and the use of it with play calling I could not endorse Sykin's answer more what after was, after listening to it well it It'd probably be well served if I just had the audio clip and put it in right now. But, you know, more or less in summary of it is a tool and it's a tool that I want to know and I want the information, but it's not gospel. And that's kind of how I view the analytical tool of it. And that's where, um, you know, if you want to use the examples of Dan Campbell and the Lions going for it a couple weeks ago when they played San Francisco or Shane going for the fourth and one. Um, you know, Shane also said in there, you know, a lot of it is flow of the game dictates. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Maddie, you've been an athlete before and, you know, writing the hot hand to me is an element that, you know, has to be utilized in sports. Yeah. Uh, and, and Gardner Minshew was, if you want to go back to the fourth and one, he was anything but hot uh, upon that you know, point of the game. It was one of his worst games of his career. And, you know, Tyler Goodson hadn't touched the football in the game. You targeted Goodson once in the game. And so to me, that's where the analytical chart and I go back to. Our audience will remember the Colts and the Bucks played this season. 
and Tampa Bay drives the length of the field. They get all the way down to a first and goal. Baker Mayfield hurts his ankle. Baker Mayfield has to exit. Kyle Trask's Kyle Trask comes in the game. So here's Tampa Bay. They've built this analytical chart all week long, and you know, okay, if it, you know, if we've got Baker, okay, we go for it here. We go. The chart doesn't account for Baker leaving the game. Mm-hmm. What does that chart look like on Sunday night in the Super Bowl? And I don't want this to happen at all because I want you know, the greatest game ever in NFL history to be Sunday night. But when, ba- when if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and Blaine Gabbert goes in, you think the same analytics are there for Blaine Gabbert as they are for Mahomes? No, personnel matters, game flow matters, score matters, time on the on the on time left in the game, all of that matters. And I thought Shane's answer, while I don't agree with fourth and one, I don't agree with putting the season in the hands of two backups who had you know one had been awful, the other had been uh, non-existent in the game. And in, in, in Goodson's case, I don't believe in that. I did think Shane's words. I nodded my head throughout that answer. So mm-hmm. I, I know it's always a hot button topic, and I think. Um, I thought Shane did a really nice job explaining that. Certainly actions speak louder than words. We'll see how that evolves over the years because it'll always be a critique of coaching because that's just kind of where we're at, I think, with present-day football and with head coaches that take the burden of offensive play calling on like Shane does. Um, But I did think that was an answer from Shane that I liked. Yeah. Momentum is a real thing for sure. Yeah, I don't agree with the people that don't believe in momentum in sports. Yeah. I mean – then what is it? Just a puzzle, and then, you know, that's kind of boring. Yeah, and I don't. Again, I don't think I don't think momentum is gospel Everything. either yeah. to continue. No, you, you know, to. down that path. Yeah. But um, to me, uh, it is certainly an element of of all sports. Absolutely. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, time for Twitter questions. Again, not a ton. We'll continue to sprinkle in those. I know Eddie had a few. He'd been kind of saving for some quieter podcast here. Um, but Mads, if you want to, go ahead and yeah. fire away. Okay, my first one is from Dalton, and, and it says... Have they installed the new turf yet? Uh, that's a good question, Dalton. I, I boy, I, I, I would assume no. I saw. Did you see there was monster trucks at Lucas Oil this weekend? I did see that because mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah, yeah, several young kids. Right, you right, know, right, right, right. Um, I don't know. Do you do you turf it up for the monster trucks? Yeah. So the rumor, or not the rumor, but the report is uh, there will be new turf installed at Lucas Oil for next season. Mm. Um, what do we got? No Final Four this year, correct? The only NCAA tournament. I don't think the women are here either. I think the only – well, the women w- would play at Gamebridge anyways. I think the only NCAA tournament stuff is at Gamebridge for the first two rounds. So shout-out to the Boilermaker faithful. You'll be there Friday and Sunday coming up. Why are they doing it, the new turf? Uh, because they feel like that the slit turf, if I'm saying that correctly, was not yeah, – there's been a new type of turf that comes out. It's supposed to be better. Oh. Help out with injuries. The Got Colts it. are no, eh, known, might be too big of a term, but a lot of people feel like there's uh, too much wear and tear, too many injuries on the Colts turf. Mm. I do feel like the Colts are decently healthy this year. I probably have to look at some numbers to back that up, but I didn't think there was like an absurd amount of injuries by any means. Certainly they didn't have a ton of season-ending injuries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dalton, I would assume that once you get through your multi-purpose activities, which 
Yeah. yeah. What do we got? Monster Jam. I don't know. When's Morgan it Wallen? Like Isn't that coming up? If they can do up? it in the span of a weekend or something, then they should just wait until it's closer to. Yeah, wait till June or July. Yeah. And as long as it's not like you need to. Uh, I don't know if you break it in. Uh, yeah, breaking, breaking it, it in. It's helpful. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. And we got the swimming trials, right? The swimming trials are here. Did you have you heard about this, Matt? So the U.S. swimming trials will be inside of Lucas Oil Stadium for eight nights in July. About thirty thousand people in there each night. They are going to build a swimming pool what? inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. And if you want to make the U.S. Olympic team to Paris in twenty twenty four, you will be inside of Lucas Oil. It's Whoa. a for it's a very niche audience certainly, but. For uh, how much I talk about golf on the podcast, I'm sure people can uh, agree with that. Wow. Uh, this is like a big deal. This is a really big deal. So, yeah, 30,000 people inside of Lucas Oil, eight straight nights. That's uh, cool. Yeah, they'll build a pool. I, I assume the pool, obviously, is on top of the turf. So yeah. yeah, well, they build it up, and you can see, like, through the side of it and see them swimming, like... Like like the dolphin show? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't know if uh, they're trying to um, replicate the zoo and the dolphin <laughs> show there. Um, I don't know if there'll be whistles. and there Honestly, will be... that would be so cool. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I'm trying to look at... Like, what are they going to do, dig into the ground? Yeah, no, no, they're... They're not. Yeah. So you might as well make the side. I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if the side is covered at all. Yeah, but if you have a choice, let us watch from. Yeah. And you want the cameras under the water. Well, you know, the you know, to see the whatever. The sides are transparent. We're going the Michael Phelps dolphin. Well, these, these tickets are expensive here. Oh, yeah. Okay, this one's from Juan. And he says, after watching the AFC title game, it's evident that if you want to win, you have to pressure these QBs and in a relentless way while also having good weapons and great protection for your QB. Given the fact that for the first time we have a QB and a coach, and there's a clear direction for the team, is it realistic to believe that Ballard will take advantage of AR's rookie contract and will go after a couple and impact FA and weapons in the draft? Free agents. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, sorry, I, I'm not reading this appropriately, but um, and we'll go after a couple... Go after a couple and impact free agency and weapons in the in the draft. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, sorry. Not only trenches. It's the first time that I actually believe he has no excuses and a big opportunity. Expectations will be high next season after this one, so no more free passes for him. Thanks as always. Keep up the fantastic job. Your lo- loyal Colombian follower, Juan. Juan, thank you as always. Uh, appreciate your insight here. Any desire to go to Colombia, Matt? Yeah, um, that's where Shakira's from. Oh, okay. And uh, that's where my Spanish teacher from grade school is from. Oh, nice. You want to give her a shout out in case she's yeah, listening? Senora Solano. Okay. All right, Senora. And, shout out. Uh, yeah, I would for sure love. Juan to is now, I believe, in New York. I wonder if Juan's happy about the World Cup twenty twenty sixteen final now being in New York. Um, saw that was announced. Comment below. Uh, yeah, earlier. Yes, Juan, thank you. Uh, Juan, Juan knows the DMs are always open. Um, boy, I, I think there's so much validity to behind what he was kind of saying there. And I don't know. I, I, I was kind of maybe grasping at straws with this, but I feel like if you go back and listen to Ballard's season any presser, I think he kind of knows it. Like, I mean, the question of how does building with a rookie quarterback, rookie contract quarterback change things for you? I mean, he does say it opens the world up a little bit more financially. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he would just say that just to say it. You know, Ballard's not. I mean, as much as you know, some people can call him a politician in those press conference settings. I also don't think he's an idiot, and he knows his words do matter. And people 
hold on to his words. Um, so um, now again, actions will ultimately speak it. And we'll find out what a week from Wednesday, March 13th, when free agency gets underway. But I know Eddie and I did the exercise in last week's podcast. I mean, the 49ers and the chiefs are such golden, golden examples of it, of your ability to build with those rookie quarterbacks in various ways. The Chiefs have some short-term answers to win that first 2020 Super Bowl, whereas the 49ers are spending, again, just an absurd amount of money on these other position groups that, I should say the top of other positions, that you don't normally see in the NFL. Um, and, and this question in general from Juan has got me thinking, it's been a lot of Michael Pittman Jr. discourse uh, on social media here over the last couple of weeks. And part of it, I, I kind of asked for it. And I was generally curious. I sent out a tweet of, okay, for those that don't want Pittman back, what is plan B? Like, legitimately, like, what? what tell me. Like, I, that I, wasn't I, facetious? No, no. I, 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 I want to hear from those people. Don't of, you think you would know? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't agree with it. So I guess I'm just... I'm trying to open my ears to that side of the argument. Okay. And again, I mean that in all seriousness. And um, someone tweeted at me. Let me see if I can find this. Someone tweeted at me earlier today, I thought, with a great answer about Pittman. Okay, here it is. Um, he goes, I know this goes against the grain, but I'd be okay with not re-signing Michael Pittman Jr. at $23 million a year because his yards per catch and touchdowns are atrocious as a number one. Resigning him allows Ballard to say we have our number one and they don't get a game breaker at whiteout. I see that tweet. I hear that tweet. It's hard to argue against a lot of that tweet, but this is where the philosophical change has to happen. And, you know, if you go back, and I know I've used these examples before, but I think it's important to dive deeper into them. Look at where Philadelphia drafted Devontae Smith. Look at where Miami drafted Jalen Waddle. Just because they made those selections of wideouts very high. I mean, you know, it, those were drafts that it wasn't always a given that you would just be drafting these wideouts that high. And yet, what does Miami do? They still trade for Tyreek Hill. What does Philly do? They still trade for A.J. Brown. And again, in their varying degrees, Jalen Hurts and Tua are vastly more accomplished collegiate quarterbacks than, than Anthony Richardson. So just because you bring back Pittman doesn't mean you need to sit there and rest on your laurels. And, and I understand that tweet that I got. That is nervousness over Chris Ballard's precedence. Totally fine. Like, I understand the reason to be hesitant there. Maybe I'm putting too much, too many eggs in the Shane Steichen basket, but I just think Steichen has a louder voice, and he comes from the Philadelphia tree where, I mean, look at that. I mean, that's, that's Shane Steichen walking into a kitchen of, you know, St. El Elmo ingredients versus walking into a McDonald's kitchen. And I feel like that is just that. I, I think I'd sit here and say, I would hope that resonates with Chris Boward, and I think it resonates with him, mm -hmm. if that checks. All right, let's move to our last question. This is from JJ. <clears throat> the cap means something different to the Colts than it does to other teams. They never get close to the cap. Why can't they spend that money in a revenue-sharing league that prints cash? Did the Manning-era Colts spend near to the cap? It's a great question. Um, between QB, um, wide receivers, and defensive ends, they had several big contracts. Well, let's just start right there. 
what wideout or what DN has deserved a big contract for the Colts in the last four or five years? I'd argue you haven't found the talent there to call for a big contract. They, like, can't even spend the money. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they just don't have players worthy of that money. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's, that's an issue because it's hurt your team overall. Right. Um, so how do you find the players with that well, are worth the money? Certainly got to draft better and, you know, maybe make a splash of a trade or something of significance. You know, I, I've said this before about Jim Irsay. Uh, you know, obviously the man is – very, very rich, but on the grand scale of 32 owners, he's not near the richest. He's probably honestly on the other end of that scale, and I think you've had an influx of owners over the last certainly decade plus, and, and remember, Jim comes from a, I mean, he, he's the second generation owner. I mean, he is an old school owner in many ways with how he handles the salary cap, and I think you, whether it's Stan Kroenke with the Rams, that probably be the most obvious of it, you have other owners that are willing to front load so much cash on these contracts. And that is that provides them an ability to manipulate the cap in ways that it's just an accounting method, and they can kind of get away with some of that. So um, I do think that is something that you can't ignore. Um, certainly, the Manning era provided that, and I do think the hope is you get to a point where, yeah, your roster looks like the Manning roster looked, and that – you do want to pay Dwight Freeney's and Robert Mathis's and Marvin Harrison's and Reggie Wayne's, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, let's not, you'd be lying here to act like the Colts have had any of those players at those positions here in recent years. Um, and, and we're a long ways away from that being an issue because first off, you're not going to pay Richardson serious money at all uh, for the next couple of years, just based off how the rookie wage scale works. Uh, but you also got to find, those guys at the premium positions. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, Bernard Ryman, we used the example earlier. I mean, Ryman's making a hair over a million. And if you sign him to an extension next off season, cause he probably deserves one next off season, that number will skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. It's a good problem to have. And I am curious um, just how the Colts continue to evolve. If at all, from a cap standpoint, do we see them start to do things differently especially once Richardson's contract, you know, takes a 180 here, hopefully, because you want to be paying Richardson big money. That means he's worked out for you uh, here in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Mads, anything else on your end before we give our Super Bowl picks? Nope. All right, Super Bowl 58 is Sunday. It is on CBS. Do you like Tony Romo? I do, yeah. Why? I think you're in the minority. Oh. People are tired of him. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not a diehard, so... But he does every – does he do CBS? CBS, uh-huh. All CBS all games. All CBS games. Yeah, well, all of their marquee games, I should say. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's I, – I like him, but I'm not a diehard. 49ers favored by two, over under a 47.5. It is 630 from Las Vegas. Let's start here. The chances Travis Kelsey's on a knee after the game proposing. Oh, gosh. Um, I would say that's a – Two percent chance. That low. Yeah. Really. Yeah. No Do you way. not believe in love? <laughs> I actually think they're going to get married. I don't see a world in which they don't get married. Wow. Okay. I right. just think if you are celebrating this huge thing, save some good celebrations for another time. No need uh, to. Okay. Okay. All no right. need to over-index on the celebrations when you've already got plenty to celebrate. Interesting. I'd love to hear Taylor's point of view on that, but okay. Um. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? 
Um, you go first. Uh, I I'm just I'm jealous of the Chiefs. I'm jealous and I'm tired of them. And I thought Baltimore gifted them what eight penalties for ninety some yards. Mm-hmm. I thought Zay Flowers gifted them a huge fumble. I thought Lamar mm-hmm. threw a horrific interception. Yes, Kansas City was outstanding. But I mean, hell, if you know. Marquez Valdez Scantling drops a third and nine. I mean, Baltimore's got the ball and a chance to try to send the game into overtime. I just think San Francisco with two weeks will be disciplined and limiting Kelsey. Uh, I think their talent is elite at some key, key spots. And I think their front four will show up enough. A lot of this is me talking with my heart. Some of it is me talking with my head. 27, 23, 49ers. Mm, okay. Um, I feel similarly about everything that you said. I'm just now forming my thoughts on this because uh, you didn't warn me that this would be part of the Well, it's podcast. Super Bowl week. What do you think we'd talk about? <laughs> I mean, geez. It's the um, last game of the year. Max hasn't done his pick yet either. Otherwise, I would align Which with helmet him. will Max – can you predict which helmet your son will pick? Well, no, I can't. Um, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs, and I'm going to say – 27, 23, Chiefs. Wait, did you say 23 or 24? 27, 23, 49ers. Okay, and I'll say 27, 20... Wait, sorry, 23 or 24? Uh, you can go with either. I said 23. Okay, 27, 23, Chiefs. Wow, house divided. I think... Um, I just don't think that someone like Patrick Mahomes gets this far and loses. I just think he's playing... Who's it's a pretty the, accurate statement. Who's the guy... Who's the quarterback for the 49ers? He's like... A, isn't he really young and barely gets paid anything, right? Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope they win, honestly, just because how, how fun for him um, to bring his team to that. Are when, you an Olivia Culpa fan? Uh, not really. I, I, is she the one... She dates... Does she date him? Christian McCaffrey. Oh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, yeah. The running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they yeah. dating or are they married? They're engaged, I are think. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's crazy how many like famous couples there are on both of these teams. Do the Colts have any famous couples or wives? I don't. I mean, famous to us maybe, but not to the rest of the world. Not to the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, are they? I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know how household. Yeah. 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 No. De- probably not. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. All right. So you've got the Chiefs forty uh, twenty-seven twenty-three. Is that correct? That's so we're both correct. going with the over. Yeah. Okay, 47 and a half on that one. And what helmet do you think for Max Bowen? The Chiefs helmet's all red, correct? And the 49ers helmet's got that strong gold with the red tint in it. Yeah, as you look at the helmets, they're sitting right here. Max still has to pick. Yeah. um, You think he'll be drawn to one or the other? Well, now I just want him to choose what I I chose, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Well, that seems like biased parenting. No, that's just so I I can cheer for him to be right and for me to be right. She's Maddie Bowen. I'm Kevin Bowen. It is Super Bowl week. Super Bowl 58 is here. Again, we'll continue to try and keep on the Monday trend. Um, you know, We'll see if any news items happen between now and Combine week, but this is always typically a quiet time in the NFL. You know, Once you exit the Super Bowl, obviously last year the Colts made a head coaching hire, but this is typically the real first true quiet time of the offseason uh, before the combine craze hits Indianapolis. And again, February 20th, a week from, no, two weeks from tomorrow. That's when the franchise tag window begins. Michael Pittman Jr., $23 million tag. I believe it is that high. I don't know. Maybe it's only 22. But um, it does that happen for him? A uh, two week window. Uh, we'll break that down. And then obviously, any other new news items that exit the combine? Mads, thank you. 
Thank you. Sorry, I feel like I was really rusty. So thanks for bearing with me. Oh no, not at all. I think you did a you did a tremendous job. And if you did a bad job, the YouTube commenters will let you know. Okay, I won't look. She's Maddie Bowen. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great, great week. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kevin's Corner, and we'll be back next week.